Hello, everybody. G'day, mates. This is Spice. And that was a very bad Australian <laughs> accent in Salty. Pretty terrible, yes. Pretty terrible. But it gets me past my struggling with... Nope, nope. On we go. Okay. I struggle with a certain opening that we do every time. <laughs> Welcome to the show, the big show, the 3BY podcast for beans, bullets, bandages, and you. you. And today we are going to be talking mostly about you to keep you away from bandages. <laughs> okay. Now here's a podcast. I know probably the minute we we tossed, open up the... Uh, the topic, a lot of people are going to roll your eyes because everybody, you know, it's, this is the most boring thing to talk about ever, but it is also critically important for preppers to do. What are we talking about? Avoiding injury. Safety. Uh, safety first. Yeah, okay. Oh, safety first click. I'm going to turn that off, right? Well, we're riding down the road, okay? Salty, salty, spice, riding down the road. We're in our car, that's because you hear road noises, and what are we doing? We are wearing our safety belts. Yes, it's, it's a silly thing, but it's amazing how many people, especially independently-minded people, won't do something as silly as wearing a safety belt. But this isn't a, a safety belt issue. This is a safety in case the stuff hits the fan. Because right now, if something bad happened to us, the next person by, I'd call 911, and we would have help here within half an hour, uh, within 15 minutes even. We're not that far from a population center. Right. Wouldn't and be bad. If, even if it were something uber critical where I had to have, like, extensive, you know, they, they'd call in the helicopter and off we'd go to uh, the state's uber-intensive place, which we live in Missouri, so that would be Columbia for us, even though it's, we're nowhere near Columbia. But with a helicopter, we're pretty near Columbia. But if the stuff hits the fan, if we're in a grid-down situation or we're in a regional emergency situation, even if it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be the uh, end of the world as we know it type of situation. But really, if, there, if we're in a stuff hits the fan situation, even locally, where local health is going to be uh, backed up, stacked up, we can't get into the doctor with minor or major injuries that don't aren't necessarily life-threatening. You know, that's common during a disaster. Or we physically can't reach help. We're cut off by flooded roads. Uh, or flooded trees bridges. across the road from tornadoes. Yeah, trees across blah, the blah, blah, road. Uh, bridges out from earthquakes. Electrical lines laying in the street. All, all this kind of stuff is very common after like a hurricane or an earthquake or a, or a flood situation where you may be perfectly safe from the flood, but the road between you and the hospital is underwater. Or riots. Or riots. Could be a thing. You don't want to, you don't want to get out of this. Nope. So what is the number one thing you don't want to do when you're in this situation? That's get hurt. Need medical care. You consider how many people died of simple injuries before good medical care was available. And even if you've got those uh, nifty little prepper antibiotics on hand, there's a lot of bugs out there that are living on people's skins right now that are now resistant to those antibiotics. You can't trust that. It's much better to keep that skin intact and keep those microbes on the outside. So we're gonna we we've seen people. We know people. We live in the country. Okay, we're country folk. We're not gonna we're not gonna try and pretend we know everything about the city stuff because we don't. We we've lived in the country pretty much all of our lives, um, or at least most of our lives. 
You've got paranoid prepper on the three BY side too. Yeah, he, uh, he can he can take care of the. He's got the city thing. He's going got on. the Jersey, New York City thing going on. And uh, but so we'll let him deal with the city stuff. But out here in the country, what well, we get into a situation where we get all kinds of stuff we can be doing that really on the surface doesn't look particularly dangerous, but people die from all the time. And we're going to talk about a few of those. And remember, the key part of this is now you're just risking injury. But any significant injury where you can't reach good medical help is a potentially fatal injury. I don't know how, to, how much more. A broken leg can kill you. It really can. It probably won't, but it can. And if you can't get that leg set for three or four days, you're going to be in a world of hurt because you can be the fittest, most strong Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Linda Hamilton type person, you know, just fit as can be. And a broken bone, you're done. It doesn't matter how fit you are. You can't, you can't do anything if you break your leg. Hope you're trying not, not trying to bug out at the time. So here's some thoughts. We, as usual, made a list so we don't miss any of our points. And we're going to add a few things to the list, too, as we go. It's not going to be an uber-long podcast, but we've got some, several things to go. What's, what's number one? First and biggest danger, cutting tools. Cutting tools. Um, if you have to cut wood is the biggest risk because those tools will take a leg clean off. <laughs> now, people who do this all the time, I'm not talking, about, talking to you because you already know. You know if you cut, go out in the woods and cut, cut, a, cut a load of wood, take it home, burn it, go out and cut another, or cut... cut seven or eight cord in the, in the uh, summertime and stack them up. And yeah, I'm not talking to you. This is not for you. You already know what you're doing. It's the people, frankly, like Spice and myself, who don't do that. We don't cut wood. I've just started learning to cut wood in the Safely. last year. Yes. And I'm still limiting myself to small things I can do with a handsaw when there aren't when there isn't good support around, when I'm out by myself in the middle of nowhere, I'm not using a chainsaw by myself. No. Now, she will use a pole saw by herself. Sure. But even that can be really dangerous if you're not paying attention to what you're doing because those branches can fall. And they intertwine with each other, so they don't necessarily fall where you think they're going to fall. Some of them are pretty big. I've had branches fall on my head before. To be specific, I've had branches fall on my helmet before and slam into my faceplate before. The graphic that we're going to put this with, with this one is Spice working with her pole saw. And we, we use an electric pole saw for several different reasons. And that's actually a different conversation, so we won't really go into it. But So it can't handle the really huge jobs. But it can get limbs big enough to knock you silly. It can get limbs big enough to kill you, to drop on your head. So she wears an actual logging helmet with a face guard. Uh, hers has the mesh face guard on it, which is fine. You're not trying to, you know, you you want to be able to breathe, but you don't want the stuff flying in your face. And she also wears, uh, if she's doing chainsaw work, she'll wear chaps. And chaps are important. People don't understand how important chaps are. Because in steel-toed shoes, you you just can't take a chainsaw cut to your leg in a stuff hits the fan situation. You just can't do it. You're not going to live. And even where she is when she's working, you know, best case scenario, she's 35, 40 minutes 
from a hospital. And that's if they send the helicopter. Yeah, if if they send an ambulance, it's an hour. So that's just simply because we're rural. It's not like they're not negligent. It just takes them that long. It takes them 30 minutes to get there. And then, of course, 30 minutes to get back. And that's not even counting any time spent on the scene. That's just that's a fact you live with in a rural life. And that's also why we have to be more prepper conscious than most people. Because rural people have to be prepper conscious or you're not going to get along. So wood is a big one. Uh, that's why we prefer... One of the many reasons we prefer handsaws. It's slower, it's more work, but you have the time, and it's a lot safer. And in certain grid down situations or certain stuff hits the fan situations, you don't want to make noise, and handsaws are quiet. Whereas a chainsaw, everybody and their dog is going to hear a chainsaw from a mile away. We have an, an axe, and because for some jobs it's the best tool, and I've used it from time to time. But an axe can slip or bounce off hardwood, or it can hit the wood and send the wood flying, which is a lot more common, or knock a chip off the wood and send that splinter flying at high speed. And saws don't do those things. Another thing we have, and we haven't actually used it yet, but we're going to, we have to get in touch with the place to get it set up, is we have a pneumatic wood splitter. A non-powered pneumatic wood splitter is powered by salty and spice power. Yeah, it's hydraulic. It's a hydraulic wood splitter, and we're going to be using it. We've got it for the place. And it's another one of those deals where, yes, you can do it with an awl. Yes, you can do it with an axe. But swinging an axe around in a situation where medical care is not readily available is just a bad idea unless you're really good at it, and we're not. Especially if you don't have the place set up where you've got a very nice, stable, flat spot to put the wood while you're splitting it and things like that. That's more important than people realize. Yeah, again, we're not talking to you people who do this, you know, say, oh, I'll go out and split a wood, a, a cord of wood to, today with my axe. We're not talking to you. You know what you're doing, okay? That's not who we're talking to. We're talking about everyday people who are going to be forced to do things that they're not used to doing. You know what you're doing or your nickname is Seven Toes. <laughs> Seven toes, yeah. And cutting your toes off can kill you in a stuff it's a fan situation. And it's never recommended, frankly. <laughs> yeah, it's never going to feel good. So, hey, everybody should have, I've got them, she's got them. Everybody should have in their preps a pair of steel-toed boots. They may not be the most, you don't have to buy the most comfortable, best $700 pair of boots, because they actually do make several hundred dollars. $700 pairs of boots. You don't have to buy those, but you, everybody should have a, a pair at least of steel-toed boots for doing this kind of stuff. If you plan on cutting wood at all. Yep. You, or some of the other stuff that you just have to do. Yes. You know, steel-toed boots will... Moving, uh, unpacking debris from falling down buildings, you really want steel-toed shoes on at that time, and the really heavy gloves too. Right. Now, I will tell you, if you've never, a lot of you people may be, maybe never worn steel-toed boots, these are not going to be your regular everyday boots. They're not comfortable. There's, I've, I've never put on a pair of steel-toed boots I found comfortable. And I used to work as a clerk in a store that sold 20 different types of steel-toed boots. And I tried on everything they made, and I never found a pair that was as comfortable as a non-steel-toed boot. This just You're not wearing them for comfort. You're wearing them for safety. So just keep that in mind. They're okay. They're not too bad. They're also, uh, mesh gloves. We've got a set of wire mesh gloves. If you have to cut a, uh, apart a carcass and you're not really experienced with cutting apart a carcass and don't have good, sharp 
cutting tools to go with it. The risk of a slip, especially when you're trying to go through a joint, um, is very high. So having the mesh gloves, so when you're using the big knives on the big chunks of meat, is a very useful thing to do. I would use them if I was cutting across up a part of whole carcass, although I use knives all the time and don't usually bother with the gloves. Good tip. Okay, what else you got? Fire. Fire. Fire's, fire's a problem, okay? Especially if a stuff hits the fan situation, especially if you're talking about um, situations where the fire department isn't going to be able to get to you. I can get concrete about this one because I do some... Um, volunteer emergency response work and from the patterns i've seen since i've been doing it every time people start to turn on their heating elements you get a tripling in the amount of people who lose their homes to fire and every time there's a power outage you see an immediate spike that night you can look at where the fires have been throughout the state of missouri and tell exactly which major cities lost power because of the spike in houses burned down if you are using uh, candles or lanterns or any other fire-based thing to heat or for light. Do you have something to put them to contain them if they fall over? Do you have something that's going to keep your kids from knocking them over and setting stuff on fire? Do you have something that's going to keep your pets from knocking them over and setting stuff on fire? And that's going to be safe if you fall asleep on it. Not literally on it. Okay, you're not that stupid. But fall asleep while it's burning. Now, Without going into details at all, but um, one of her co-workers, and I had this conversation a couple Christmases ago, uh, and she was talking about how there's a huge upspike in fires on Christmas morning due to people stuffing uh, Christmas wrapping paper in the fireplace. Yeah, and it's wax-coated and stuff like that to make it shiny, and they don't... Oh, surprise! And guess what? It's really light, and it makes flaming ash that travels a lot more. And a lot of times, too, uh, people this will be the first fire they've lit in their fireplace all year. They haven't cleaned their flue. They haven't checked their flue. If you have a fireplace and you haven't clean, checked your flue in the last five years, you know, hey. You've got birds living in it, guys. It's, it's not going to be it's, pretty it's if you time. try and light it. You know, you need to, having a fireplace is something that you need to, Realize that the flu needs at least to be inspected. And you can do this yourself if you on a, on a yearly basis by just sticking one of those little uh, camera things up there and taking a look. I mean, it's, you should have it professionally done, don't get me wrong. Uh, if you have a flu liner, that's great. You know, I, it, There's all kinds of stuff when you get into the fireplace. This, that's beyond the scope. But just realize that dumping a bunch of wrapping paper into the fireplace is not a good idea. It can burn your neighbor's house down because all the, the flaming ash goes up and lands on his roof, and there you go. Then you've got a big flaming pile of neighbor's house right next to your house, so even if you're self-centered about it, that's a bad idea. And the other thing is, um, fire's an issue if you don't, if you live in the country and you're not paying a whole lot of attention and you let brush get too close to your buildings. <laughs> because yes. wildfires are happen everywhere i put so much sweat into the place cutting down the the uh, prairie you know chest high prairie grass around the uh, cabin so we would have a fire break specifically. Yeah, that's like specifically why we do it now i keep it mowed 
not because I care about the lawn, but because I care about having the fire break if the uh, prairie catches when it gets dry, which it could easily do. Okay. And another real strange but true problem is people get really injured a lot by doing stupid things with with uh, lighter fluid, trying to light, co- light coals, like charcoal. Oh, geez, yeah. You know, don't be that guy who likes to squirt the, the lighter... The, the lighter stuff from the can right in front of on top, you're going to get yourself burned. And in a, in a uh, stuff hits the fan situation, being burned is a very, I mean, it's, it's just not good. You don't want to go there. Uh, one thing we had. Especially to, if you're using gasoline as an accelerant. Another really careful thing you're doing, because you may be doing this in, in a stuff hits the fan situation, you got to watch those deep fat fryers. Okay, you get those outdoor propane deep fat fryers. It's not just that uh, they're dangerous, they can knock over, they can scald people, they can, you know, we had a situation in one of our communities a few weeks ago where a woman got badly burned when a deep pet fire uh, caught fire. And, of course, she didn't have a fire extinguisher right nearby, so there's another thing we're talking about. Keep your, know where your fire extinguisher... That's next on my list. Oh, okay, we'll come back. Let's <laughs> well, segue into it, actually. Yeah. Know where your fire sta- extinguishers are, and by golly, don't set them in a situation where they're behind what's likely to catch fire. I, you want them on your side of the fire and not too side close of the fire. to it. Do no good. Um, I was at work, and I'm the. I am not surprisingly, for my office building, I am the safety, cons- not consultant, but the safety, the designated safety officer for our, our corporation. I volunteered for this job. It's something I enjoy. Everybody else hated it, so I did it. And one of the first things I saw was we, we got new fire extinguishers. And in one of our furnace rooms, the fire extinguisher was certainly it was brand new. It was charged, and it was mounted on the other side of the furnace. And the only thing in this room that could possibly catch fire is this furnace because there's nothing else in there. And I'm just like, uh, Why? So I'm, I'm <laughs> taking it down off the wall. I got my toolbox out. I'm literally taking it down off the wall because we're a small organization and I'm moving it to by the doorway and my boss stops by and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm moving the fire extinguisher. Why? I'm like, what happens if the furnace catches fire? He's like, well, we use the fire extinguisher which you can't reach because it's on the wrong side of the furnace. Oh. Yeah, we actually did that in our house. For some reason, one of us put the fire extinguisher on the back side of the stove where you couldn't reach it. You have to reach through the stove fire to get it. That lasted about 30 minutes. But <laughs> it is now by the stove, but at a distance where even the largest of the stove fire is going to be keeping it out of the way. Carbon monoxide monitors, battery operated. Just mentioning them, I'd have them if you plan on using Yes. flame above candle size. Yes, always. and they're just, they're, they've come way down in price. So, of course, you know, we're, we're things like fire, fire uh, alarms to us are given. I don't, if you're a prepper that doesn't have a, an active working fire alarm in your house, I think you need to requalify yourself as a wannabe prepper. <laughs> Those disasters <laughs> ruin people's lives every day, of the, every day of the week in Missouri alone. Hey, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm going to watch through the watch through <laughs> your Raise your hand here if you've got fire extinguisher or fire first. No, I'm not going to talk about that. Fire alarms in your house 
that started beeping in the middle of the night because the batteries were going bad. <laughs> you pull the batteries out, and then you just leave them there without the battery in them for like eight months. Raise your hand if this is you. We've done that. We've done that. But we don't do that anymore because we grew a brain cell. Okay. Um, ladders. Ladders. We had a nasty case in our county a, a year or two ago where a guy was climbing his uh, ladder to get into his tree stand. Oh, bad case, bad Ooh. case. Guy fell off that ladder, landed on a tree branch, stabbed a tree branch through his chest. You're much more likely to be doing things with ladders in a stuff hits a fan scenario. Tree branches maybe on your house. You're having to get up there and move this or that. You're just likely to be using a ladder a lot more. And you just need to just be safe about it. Don't be that guy who goes and stands on the top rung and kind of leans over it. That's just, no. You can't afford to get hurt and the stuff hits the fan scenario. You just can't afford it. So just be careful with ladders. Also, if you have like tree stands and stuff like that, and you're an old clumsy guy like me, it's probably not. You just have your tree stand on the ground, okay? <laughs> she, she, uses, she likes to use the tree stands we got out of the place to go up there and just sit out there and chill and watch oh, the yeah. animals. That's one of her things, which is fine. But I'm really careful about when I climb it because I'm out there all by my lonesome. Yep. So, anyway, ladders, just watch them. Okay, this one counts as least fun but most necessary. Hygiene. Oh, yeah. Is that, you say, what? This is, I thought this was a safety thing. Disease outbreaks every time water and sewage go out in large, major metropolitan areas. Yep. It's stuff that we've, we've conquered. Stuff that you don't see. Cholera. Or, or even stuff we do have, like right now, Minnesota's and California are both having hepatitis A outbreaks. And it's happening among the uh, homeless populations primarily because they don't have good hygiene facilities. How are they combating it? They're putting out hand-washing stations at places where they know homeless people hang out, trying to control the spread of the disease. Because it's people not being clean and not drinking clean water. Well, we've talked a lot in the past about, you know, making sure your water is clean, but we haven't really talked that much about having a lot of cleaning and hygiene stuff on hand. You know, you got to, hey, soap will last forever. It's not going to degrade, so have soap. Those little hand cleaner thingies, they're not as good as washing your hands in hot water. They're the not. alcohol gel anti or, uh Things is what he's talking about. Yeah, they're not as good, but they're a lot better than nothing. So keep those on hand. And use it. I mean, you know, because if, if you go take a shower now, it's no big deal, right? But if you don't have water coming through your shower, you know, you're going to be in a hygiene situation. If you don't have the water to flush the toilet, what are you going to do? What is your plan? Every prepper needs a plan to poop. You gotta have that poop plan. And get rid of the baby's poop. And what? Baby. Baby. Ooh, baby. Hygiene's even more important if you're handling a kid. Because yeah. one, they'll be happy to spread germs around. They're lovely little sharing germ factories. Adorable, cute little germ sharing factories they are. Uh, 
but also because they're more susceptible to things. So you have to be additionally careful when you're handling their food. There is a reason that back in the day before hygiene was good, half the children died before the age of six. Listen to what I just said. Half the children died before the age of six. There, there were societies when 70% of the children died before the age of six. The biggest so, drop in infant mortality did not come when we got antibiotics. It came when we put in good sewer systems. And listen to what I'm saying to you. You know, This was the norm. They didn't name children when they were young because there's no point in naming something that's probably going to die. You go to the old parts I, I of cemeteries. I don't know what else to tell you about You'll see hygiene. Baby Johnson, and that's why Baby Johnson was not named because when Baby Johnson lived for a month. Yeah, and so just keep that in mind. What else we got? Exposure. You're a lot more likely to be out in it. Yeah, exposure. Hot and cold. Hot and cold. No, this wet is and slick. Wet. Wet will kill you. Wet will, as divers, we can tell you. If you get wet, that'll kill you faster than anything. Or it make you, you know. Okay. We're going to do a, a Mythbuster episode. We can't call it that because that would be a, a myth episode. Busting episode. Yes. <laughs> a, uh, and one of those myths that we're going to talk about is catching your death of cold because you got wet. <laughs> We're going to talk about that myth. But let me tell you, as a diver, as somebody who realizes how much faster water can absorb your heat than air, um, you got to stay dry. 72-degree water will suck the heat right out of your body and, and leave you hypothermic. Whereas 72-degree air, you're wearing shorts and feeling good about. So the biggest part about this, I, some of you may not have been out in the wet a whole lot. Make sure the whatever fabrics you're buying for your warmies maintain their insulating ability when they get wet. A wool is the old-fashioned one that's best for this. Some of the new fabrics do this well. Some of the new fabrics don't. Most of the ones that do have a high wool component. So make sure you maintain insulating ability when wet. Because sheep, frankly, are out in the wet a lot. And they don't get cold. Because sheep, frankly, put lanolin oil on all their fur, so they don't. Needs are not mechanisms. Oh! oh. <laughs> I say that six million times a year. Except for that's year, not really I what I was saying. I was just saying that sheep don't get cold. And they have wool coats. That's all I was saying. Okay. That's why sheep don't yep. get cold, because they have a wool coat. It was a, that's... Yep. All I was saying. Anyway. Uh, good shoes. Non-slip. Uh, non-slip. Sturdy. Shoes that won't freeze or fall apart when they get wet. Hopefully, as we wrap this podcast up, you are saying, I know every bit of this stuff. I know, and I do all of this stuff. No big deal. You wasted a half hour of my life or whatever. That's what we want to hear. Well, but if, if true, you rock. That's good right. job. But I'm going to bet you that there's something on that list that you're probably going, well, you know. There's a really high chance the first thing on that list is your seatbelt, yeah. to be honest with you. Wasn't as much fun as buying more ammo, but got to uh, get done. Put your seatbelt on, people. Put your seatbelt on. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it. 
Be well, be happy. Stay safe. Enjoy. Spice is out.